thank you for having joined the Sage Saith once again. Number 210523, a rendering of each of seven episodes. Episode number one, A Year with the Church Fathers. Be Christian in your conversation. The things we say, even in casual conversation, can have profound effects on the people we say them to. St. Ambrose advises us always to keep our conversation within the limits of friendly good taste so that we are never giving anyone an occasion of sin. Speech is divided into two kinds. First, as it is used in friendly conversation and then in the treatment and discussion of matters of faith and justice. In either case, we must take care that there is no irritation. Our language should be mild and quiet, and full of kindness and courtesy, and free from insult. Let there be no obstinate disputes in our familiar conversations, for they only bring up useless subjects rather than supply anything useful. Let there be discussion without wrath, urbanity without bitterness, warning without sharpness, advice without giving offense. And as in every action of our life, we ought to take heed to this so that no overpowering impulse of mind may ever shut out reason. Let us always keep a place for its guidance. So too, we should observe that rule in our language so that neither wrath nor hatred may be aroused, and that we may not show any signs of our greed or sloth. And let our language especially be of this sort when we are speaking of the Holy Scriptures. For what should we talk about more often than of the best subject of conversation? Its exhortation to watchfulness, its care for good instruction. Let us have a reason for beginning and let our end be within reasonable limits. For a speech that is worrisome only stirs up anger, but surely it is really indecent that when every kind of conversation generally gives additional pleasure, this should give cause to offense. St. Ambrose on the Duties of Clergy, 1.22 In God's presence, consider, when I'm talking with friends or family, does my conversation cause goodwill or bitterness? What subjects should I particularly try to avoid in order to keep from offending the people close to me? Closing prayer. Father, teach me to follow the example of the Holy Family of your Son, living in love and respect with those around me. Episode number two, Through the Year with Thomas Merton, Illusions of Prayer, or I'm sorry, Illusions of Power. There are many acceptable and sane ways of indulging one's illusionary claim to divine power. One can be, for example, a proud and tyrannical parent, or a tearful and demanding martyr parent. One can be a sadistic and overbearing boss, or a nagging perfectionist. One can be a clown, or a daredevil, or a libertine. One can be rigidly conventional, or blatantly unconventional. One can be a hermit, 
or a demagogue. Some satisfy their desire for divinity by knowing everybody else's business, others by judging their neighbor or telling him what to do. One can even, alas, seek sanity and religious perfection as an unconscious satisfaction of that deep and hidden impurity of soul which is man's pride, the silent life. Episode number three, Magnificat, May 2023, volume 25, number three. Item number one, a reading from the gospel according to John, chapter 17, verses one through 11. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your son so that your son may glorify you just as you have given him authority over all people, so that your son may give eternal life to all you gave him. Now this is eternal life, that they should know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I glorify you on earth by accomplishing the work that you gave me to do. Now glorify me, Father, with you, with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I revealed your name to those who you gave me out of the world. They belong to you and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you gave me is from you because the words you gave to me I have given to them and they accepted them and truly understood that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me I pray you for them. I do not pray for the world, but for the ones you have given me, because they are yours, and everything of mine is yours, and everything of yours is mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I will no longer be in the world, but they are in the world, while I am coming to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Item number two, the meditation of the day how he is glorified in us. The redemptive work of Christ eagerly awaits being poured out abundantly over us. Christ is the head of humanity and the life of grace flows from him into mankind. Souls united to Christ through faith and charity form, in fact, a body that is aptly called the mystical body of Christ. The principal act of the mystical body of the Lord is the oblation of the sacrifice of the Mass. The priest offers the sacrifice in the name of the faithful, but it is principally Christ who offers himself through the priest. It is always the same and unique oblation of the sacrifice of the cross that is repeated in unbloodied form, an act ever alive in the heart of Christ who does not cease interceding and offering himself to his Father for us. I would even say, under this aspect, that Christ continues to suffer for us, as the devotion to the Sacred Heart says, to suffer in his members and in his saints, as a mother suffers in her son when she sees him in pain. The sacrifice of the cross continues then, in a mysterious but real way, in the sacrifice of the Mass, and it is this act of oblation of the Son of his Father that sustains the world. Life is poured out into the mystical body by means of the sacraments, by means of absolution that raises the dead members to life, through the Eucharist that 
conserves the life of grace and renews the fervor that venal sin has weakened. And finally, by means of all of the interior inspirations and all the actual graces with which the Lord favors us. It is a fountain of divine life that flows from Him to us, streaming forth into everlasting life. How many times we have noticed this power of Christ in our individual lives through absolution and communion, and in the social life of the Church, always rising from the worst persecutions, younger and stronger. Hence, we should have confidence in this redemptive power of Christ. We should listen to his invitation, Come to me and I will give you rest. In baptism I give you a pure and shining soul, he says to say to us. And see how spoiled is the one you have, but come to me and I shall refashion it. Come to me, all you who have darkened your intelligence and lost sight of the ideal, and I shall enlighten you. Come to me, you who have a conscience that has gone astray, and I shall set it straight. Come to me, you who have a weak will, and I shall strengthen it for you. And you who have a stubborn heart, come and I shall teach it anew the joy and love of God. Jesus Christ has the power to lead us to our ultimate end, and he alone can configure us to the Word of God, because he is the Word. Knowing our sins, he wishes not only to heal us, but through his blood to raise us up higher. Episode number four, God's Little Instruction Book, number one, two, and three, by Honor Books. Golden Nugget number one, inspired by Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Happiness is a perfume you cannot pour on others without getting a few drops on yourself. Happy are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. Golden Nugget number 2, inspired by Proverbs chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Wisdom is the quality that keeps you from getting into situations where you need it. I would have you learn this great fact, that a life of doing right is the wisest life there is. If you live that kind of life, you'll not limp or stumble as you run. Golden Nugget number 3, inspired by Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Rank does not confer privilege or give power. It imposes responsibility. For everyone to whom much is given, of him shall much be required. And of him to whom men entrust much, they will require and demand all the more. Episode number five, Chesterson, Day by Day. The English nation will still be going the way of all European nations when the Anglo-Saxon race has gone the way of all fads, heretics. Episode number six, Reflection. We see that vice is something shameful and sinful in that it always hides and always takes upon itself the appearance of good works. St. John Chrysostom beautifully says, vice does not have its own peculiar face, but borrows the face of good works. This is why the Savior said, They come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Matthew chapter 7 verses 15. Call a liar a liar, a thief a thief, a murderer a murderer, an adulterer an adulterer, a slanderer a slanderer, and you will infuriate them. But if you want to call a man honest, honorable, unselfish, truthful, just, conscientious, you will make him light up with joy and please him. Again, I quote Chrysostom, good works are something natural in man, while vice is something unnatural and false. If a man is caught in a vice, he quickly justifies his vice by some good works. He clothes it in the garment of good works. Indeed, vice does not possess its own particular face. The same is true of the devil, the father of vice. Episode number seven is a quote from St. Augustine. The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only a page.